people ask me sometimes, like, are you still Adventist? And the truth is, I didn't make the decision of whether I would be Adventist or not, because when you think of what it means to be a church and to be part of a church, those doors are no longer open to me. Mm-hmm. And so I, it almost feels like a cruel trick to ask me, are you Adventist anymore? <laughs> like, yeah. was that my decision? <laughs> yeah. Did I have a say in was that? Because I missed was it. Was that my decision? Because I don't know. It, and it speaks to a particularly denominational mm-hmm. way of looking at what it means to belong to a church that I think is anathema to the Bible, for instance, mm-hmm. which where church is rooted in the local church and community, yeah. which I can't really be a part of anymore. My name is Leo WT, and you have found your way to the Conversations Podcast. Conversations exist to create spiritually-minded conversations about life. We desire to create safe space for dialogue and community. We desire to come together regularly and intentionally to generate conversations about life, belief, and the intersection of the two. Hi, friends. It is Leo WT. I am here and queer and excited to talk to you guys tonight as a part of Conversations Official. I may or may not have had a little bit of wine at the spontaneous Passover Seder that I was invited to attend today. So I may be more sassy than usual, but I think that our guest can handle it and is maybe here for it. Um, So I am going to turn this feed over and let my guests introduce themselves and then we're going to get started chatting. All right. It is your turn, my friend. Hey, I am uh, Alicia Johnston, and um, I'm not sure how much you want me to say about myself, but I... um... Anything short of your social security number. (laughs) This might take a while. Um... (laughs) Right, when you let a pastor talk, it's a thing. (laughs) Right. Yeah, um, I... Um, I was a Seventh-day Adventist pastor um, in the Seventh-day Adventist church and came out um, a few years ago. I forget how many years ago. It was around Easter, though, so I'm coming up on an anniversary. It was either three or four years ago, and um, I came out as bi kind of publicly um, in a video and have been recovering ever since. (laughs) Isn't it funny how that happens? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's tough. The Adventist, the Adventist world is very close and connected. And um, it's very like, it's like a wraparound experience, you know, it, it just becomes um, kind of everything for you, especially when you go through the school system and denominational employment and everything. So yeah, um, yeah so so it's kind of been a major life shift. And um, lots and lots of really good and lots of lots of really bad. And yeah. I've, I've been doing work on um, helping people to see kind of the beauty and the goodness of affirming theology that mm-hmm. affirms, you know, um, same gender marriage and uh, transgender identity. And um, I want people to be able to kind of see what I s- I've seen because I know it can bring a lot of healing to people yeah. and families and yeah. churches and um, we need to, we need to move, we need to move forward and, um, you know, conservative Christian churches are starting to get a really horrible reputation. Yeah, yes. <laughs> um, <Hard> yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it really got a tough time really spreading the gospel and, um, really convincing people that the name of Jesus is a beautiful name. 
then you have a reputation for making life worse and the world worse and fighting against all the things that most need to happen in the world. And so multiple intersections, right? Yeah. 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 Multiple, multiple intersections. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Weird. So I love Uh, something that really drew me to your work. Now I kind of saw you, I found you via a Facebook post of Kathy Baldock and I was like, Oh, who's this person? They must be cool by proximity. And I loved what you were doing because there's so much of my practicalities that lie in the fact that I was not gay enough for the gays, but also not Christian enough for the Christians. So I was like this person with a deep sense of belonging or commitment to a faith that didn't want me. And I belonged to this gay community, but they didn't understand that. And so a lot of people kind of told me like, just fuck it. You know what I mean? Just go. You don't need to be bound by that anymore. But for me, so much of my identity and not just my faith, but also my culture, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's a wraparound experience. And so much of my culture was built in this system. And what I see you doing is uh, like the title would suggest, building unexpected bridges. Because here you are, you're like, I'm here and I'm queer and I'm queerer than I've ever been, but also, hi, I'm still Adventist. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, cool. So can you do me a favor? Now, I, I admittedly grew up in a, a realm of evangelicalism that was so evangelical, I didn't know it. So I'm not entirely familiar. Can you give me like the Cliff Notes version of what it means to be a Seventh-day Adventist, because I know that a lot of people who are watching this are going to benefit from that as well. Yeah, um, you had Ryan Bell on recently. I saw that. I did. That interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he, he made big stirs when he came out as atheist and into right? um Yeah, um, cool uh, cool guy. I got to meet him once, but awesome. um, anyway, so I know he talked about it a little bit, but um, yeah, I think it's kind of weird because you're right evangelicals tend to think of themselves as just like what it is to be christian and like we're the only ones which is really funny i i went to an evangelical church for a while Adventists are a much smaller denomination so um kind of a little bit more aware of the fact that we fit into a larger christian community Mm -hmm. um a larger conservative christian community at least I'm, i'm not sure that i was so aware that you know like the ucc church existed for example yeah yeah, um, which before I was um, when I was Adventist, you just you don't realize that there's progressive iterations of Christianity as well and liberal iterations of Christianity. Right? Like, couldn't <laughs> someone have told us that sooner? That would have helped so much. <laughs> yeah, but um, Adventism is a pretty young um, denomination. It okay. came out of the like the Second Great Awakening and New Religious Movement of the okay. 19th century, and um, there's kind of a lot of tribes within Adventism. Okay. One of the really big things about being Adventist is the Sabbath. That's okay. where the seventh day Adventist comes from. One of the okay. very few Christian denominations that uh, keeps the Sabbath from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. Yeah, no, the evangelicals don't care about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, super serious about being literal in Genesis when it comes to Adam and Eve, but definitely not Genesis 2 1 when mm-hmm. it talks about the Sabbath. No, not Genesis 2, <laughs> just Genesis 1. Get with the program. <laughs> really cracks me up. Um, yeah, anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, so Adventists um, keep the Sabbath um, in the way it's spoken of in, you know, and the way the Jewish people keep it. Um, mm-hmm. 
So, I mean, Jewish people keep it in a lot of different ways instead of Adventists. True. But anyway, so that's a major thing. And it kind of causes like, because there's not a lot of people doing that and because it's such a big part of community, Adventists tend to stick together a little bit more than other denominations. Okay. So you have everything from the extreme of like, there's like, um, you can't ever have coffee or you've got to be vegan and like mm-hmm. really, really strict, like lifestyle adherence stuff. Yeah. yeah like, like only really traditional music, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, and then what, what would be more seen as a liberal Adventist, which is really just kind of more moderate to conservative, um, mm-hmm. would, would be more, and which is where I was on the spectrum. Like, you know, if you're Adventist, I'd say, yeah, I was the kind of Adventist who like drinks coffee every day. And that would mean a lot to an Adventist. Like that's you know the what's... kind of Adventist I was. <laughs> yeah. That's funny because Ryan mentioned that. And he was like, when we said, don't do this, we really meant don't do this. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and, which yeah. is funny. Cause I always think of my upbringing as conservative, but like I drank coffee, you know? <laughs> well, it's yeah. I mean, it's funny. Um, because like in the Adventist church drums signify, more more progressive or or liberal or moderate theology oh Whereas yeah in the like you've got like like the young reformers and stuff with this like in evangelical church with ultra conservative theology but just like the skinny jeans and the drums and the yep. rock the goatees and the sneakers <laughs> yeah it really throws adventists off because they're like oh these guys are liberal ah. <laughs> and then they like preach on the wrath of god <laughs> Oh my God. It's so funny that you say that because I can picture a specific church and a specific person. And the last time I went, I looked at the worship leader and I was like, who is this Scott staff wannabe? And why did the pastor just yell hate 18 times? Like what happened here? It's so confusing. And it's so funny because like, if you're not from this area, like of, you know, theology and, and belief, like, we all just seem super crazy to people who are not, you know, in that bubble. But then we look at each other and we're like, oh no, they're crazier. Like they're, they're. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, you know, sometimes I hear like people say like Adventists are the worst of the worst because they hear like, oh, the coffee drinking, whatever. That's only a version of Adventism. I was a pastor. Right. I had not, not like a children's pastor. Like I, mm-hmm. I pastored my own church. Okay. There's not a lot of Southern Baptist churches where that would have happened. Mm-hmm. As, as a just woman. ask Beth Moore. <laughs> yeah, just ask Beth Moore. Like it's very common for women. Women preaching in the Adventist church is is not a problem unless it's like ultra, it, at least in North America. It's a global okay. church, you know? Yeah. Um, anyway, so it's it's just, it's a complex religion and it's kind of, it's kind of cool in a lot of ways yeah. and it's kind of messed up in some other ways and- Be fair, know. yeah. What do you think now, this is a question that I didn't write down. So tar and feather me, if you will. But what do you think is one of the coolest things uh, that you gained because of being an Adventist? Adventists don't believe in eternal burning hell. They're annihilationists. I never for a single moment in my life have been afraid of burning in hell forever. Wow, that's really fun for you. Because I used to dream about it at night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Adventists believe that those who reject Christ or align themselves with wickedness or however you want to say it are eternally destroyed. Lost. Okay. Okay. Um, so, so, you know, denial, still a negative. Yeah, still a negative, but not like an eternal torture negative. 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, like if you're a super conservative and really into judgmentalism, then you'll say that God will burn you and make you suffer before you die in accordance oh. to how much you've sinned in your life. But okay. I, I wasn't, again, I wasn't that kind of Adventist. <laughs> right. Not hashtag, not that kind of Adventist. <laughs> yeah. I think at least the kind of Adventist I was also um, a little bit more open to other religions getting saved and stuff okay. like that. Maybe that comes from being a bit more of a minority mm -hmm. within conservative Christianity where evangelicals mm -hmm. can kind of try to convince themselves that they're the only ones like Adventists really can't, mm -hmm. <laughs> at least not in North America. There's countries that are predominantly Adventists in the world. There's, there's, okay. there's more people, there's more people who are Adventists outside of North America than inside by far at this point. Interesting. That's very cool. You know, I, I have to admit someone on the feed just said, no hell, that's dope. That's so dope. Yeah. No, so I dope. mean, like, and really it's, it's quite interesting because, you know, Adventists kind of got there through conservative study of the Bible. And that's okay. part of the Adventist heritage is like, don't just accept the theology you're given, but like really go back and examine scripture and try to understand it. It's, it's not like, you know, it's not like Adventists were like, oh, we don't like hell, so we're not going to teach it. Like Adventists right. like looked at the Bible and said, we don't believe that this teaches eternal burning hell. Right, right. Yeah. And there you go. See, now this brings me to what I, this kind of, I think I'm seeing a thread of like how you became who you are right now. Because like you were saying at the beginning is it was a never that you didn't care about theology, right you just knew you were you were eventually you knew you were some type of queer and you cared about theology and so in, in a lot of ways your quest for theology brought you to this understanding that you have mm -hmm. now right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of people think that if you're you know if you're lgbtq and christian as an umbrella term then you must have just given up on theology because that's what i get all the time is that like oh you know i got someone told me today that unfortunately educational institutions don't always teach the truth so i need to watch out and i was like wow i've I been mean, watching honestly, out who always teaches the truth when do you ever not need to watch out that's fair that's <laughs> even sesame street will bring in those ideas and you just got to check them with the holy spirit <laughs> <laughs> i can't i, I mean, the problem is when people turn off their filter when they're listening to certain people and right. they stop ever evaluating you know the problem isn't <laughs> when you think oh you guys can be wrong sometimes means mm -hmm. you can't be wrong sometimes. right and that's the right. problem yes but really a big part of of you know coming out is the most disruptive experience when you're in yeah as closely involved in a religious um community as i was yes and one of the things that i really have realized over the last few years is that the biggest problem is uh, religious cert is certainty. Yeah, you know, like like worshiping at the altar of my certainty about mm -hmm. the, tr the trueness of my beliefs, mm -hmm. and that's that's just it, it's a way of avoiding. The yep. Um. It's it's just a way of soothing doubt and fear by something other than trust and faith in God and Jesus. Yeah, and it's it's a weird like 
it's it's almost a weird like intellectual dishonesty it is it is not intellectually honest to just say well I believe, you know what I mean? Because I was, I was having this conversation with a former classmate of mine from, from Bible college and a person who I loved very dearly, uh, but just cannot understand that I, I actually still read the Bible and come to the place I'm at, you know? And she was like, well, I just read, I just believe in the word of Jesus. And I was like, me too. And she's like, well, I just believe in what Jesus said. And I was like, me too. <laughs> you know what I mean? None of what you said, friend has disqualified me, but, but her word, her Bible was uh -huh. more writer than my Bible, you know, like, mm -hmm. it's just so weird because it doesn't push it, it. It creates all this weird infighting. Like we're not even having a conversation. How are we ever going to practically apply the gospel when we can't have a conversation? Well, and again, it's religious certainty. Yep. They're certain that they're correct about what the Bible says. So they don't actually look at what the Bible says. Right. And so their confidence about, we know what the Bible says actually quenches their thirst for understanding the Bible and reading or the what Bible. the Bible says. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And they kind of get, and what, what is being kind of denied in that whole process is that they're, what they, what they're, what the Bible says, I'm sorry, I should have put it quotes, what the Bible says to them because they genuinely believe it is yeah, what yeah. this person or organization tells them. And so they've, they've, they say they're believing the Bible, but they're not reading the Bible critically. So what are you yeah. believing? And it's not that they've never thought it through or looked right. at the text or evaluated it. It's that they've evaluated it. And I'm saying this because I used to do this myself and right. I probably guilty. still do, right? Guilty. Yep, like guilty. Being, being open to what the Bible says or what anyone says or what anything says or ever being open <laughs> to At all your beliefs change is so hard. So <laughs> I, hard. I think it just like masks sometimes the certainty masks how actually hard that is, especially when it's something <sighs> that touches your life so much. And this subject, it doesn't just touch the life of queer people. It touches everyone's life because mm -hmm. if if somebody in a conservative denomination really comes to to see what you and I see in the Bible and to see the, um, the, the sins of the church, the way that we see the sins of the church, it, it's, it's going to call them to take certain actions that are going to be very challenging or to just yes. like live with the dissonance that they know they should be speaking up and they're not. Yes. And see, this is a thing, um, actually kind of a dope story on Mother's Day. My mom is going to come on the podcast, which is really Aww. substantial because when I came out, there was a complete and total fracture of that relationship um, to the point of total, total non-communication. Wow. And I've come to the place where I've realized that for me to be authentically me requires my mom to somehow functionally shut off, mitigate, disagree, not sure what the right word is, but with, with the sense of theology that she's been taught her whole life. Yeah. And, and so in that way, you're very correct. Like it doesn't just, I, it's not just me. Um, it's anyone who I'm remaining in relationship with that has a theological difference of understanding. It takes intellectual work for all of us because my existence challenges a lot of people's theology if they're intellectually honest. If not, then they can just say I'm a heretic, which happens all the time. Uh -huh. 
And you can't really separate theology from community either. So, um, you know, community is how we survive, like literally how we survive. Like we would die without our communities and you have to have a community or you die. And um, which is, I think, a big reason why the queer community struggles so much with suicide. Yeah. And um, so, yeah. So when you're talking about theology, you're talking about where do I belong? Mm -hmm. And those, those are really questions that get at the core of who we are and how we make it in the world. Yeah, I'm going to, so usually it's so hard for me to like facilitate this conversation and also fully take it in. So I'm just telling you right off the bat, you have dropped like three good things that I'm going to have to go back and watch later because that's so, it's so true. Like to have a sense of theology is, is intimately connected with your sense of community. And I've said before, I think that's why it's so catastrophic for people of religious background. And I'm not even limiting this to Christianity, but people of a religious background it is catastrophic for us to even to get to the point of wanting to come out because we're not we're not just risking one thing we are gambling it all when we come out and and so many people have been burned from that experience and and I understand that as we progress less and less people are burned outright um, by their families but there's still institutions in place that are very harmful to queer people so yeah, and I think that's why it's so hard for our families as well, because it yeah. has community implications for them too. Exactly. Mind, yeah. It's whole like like you it goes back to what you said in the beginning. It's a wraparound system. You know, for me, my dad was a minister in the Christian and Missionary Alliance Church. I was practically born in the Christian and Missionary Alliance um, nursery. My socialization was at Christian and Missionary Alliance summer camp. I went on Christian and Missionary Alliance missions trips. We went on Christian and Missionary Alliance winter retreats. Yeah. Like, and then after high How school. How many t-shirts did you have? Oh my God. <laughs> all of the t-shirts, all like of them. Your whole closet is full of like, yeah, from all these experiences, all of them. places where you belonged. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, and, and then I went to college in that vein and, you know, up until my, between my junior and senior year, I was still um, entertaining offers for potential employment from churches and ministries in the Christian Missionary Alliance. So it went all the way up through education to, to, to occupational. Um, and, that's not a system that you just like, this is the one thing about coming out that really makes me laugh because no one just says like, Oh, I'm going to come out super easy. No big deal. (laughs) I don't have to risk anything. You know, it's a whole system, you know, and you would understand this certainly as you were literally in a vocation that you know what I mean? Your orientation had bearing on. So how were you, how were you met? Um, you know, what, what experiences and thoughts and comments met you um, on personal and professional levels when you came out? That's a big question, so. Yeah, I think, um, one, one of the things that is frequently said when people are questioning or doubting or thinking of leaving the church is, hey, just remember that it wasn't the church that hurt you, it was the people right? Yeah. I actually think, um, my experience was the, was, was completely the opposite. It wasn't the people. It was the, it was the church. The people would have been much more kind to me than they were had they had the freedom to do so. Yeah. And they didn't because of the denominational structure and the institution that has made it pretty much impossible. Like there was no way that my employers, there's just no way that they could have said, let's look at this. Mm -hmm. there's they didn't they didn't have a choice 
No. You know, my my local church didn't have a choice. Yeah. No one had a choice. So a lot of the reaction from people who I knew mm -hmm. um, for the most part was kind of like, are you okay? Mm -hmm. I love you. This was very brave. Thank mm -hmm. you for sharing what you've shared. I've learned from you. I'm amazed by your courage. Mm -hmm. um, but, but. but there's not, um, but it still means I don't belong anymore. Mm -hmm. But I'm I'm still now an outsider. I'm I'm still now not part in the way I was part before. And yes. everyone just kind of knows that and accepts yeah. that and doesn't even have to say it out loud. Yeah. It's the it's the quiet part that's the loudest part, you know. So absolutely. That was that was the majority. Of course, I had some pretty awful um friends um, yeah. as well who were just horrible. Um yeah. there there were there were there were a couple of those, but not a lot really. Yeah, um, I think because it was so public, yeah, I got some really intense, really intense hate. From yeah, I, I heard that you really blew up. I mean, tens of tens of people saw your coming out story. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it was avenous viral. Um, avenous viral, I like it. Yeah, it was avenous. Pretty much everybody. It was really funny. I heard later um, people talking about how they found out heard about my video or something like I had some friends who were like on a pastor's retreat and they didn't have wi-fi and so it was like have you seen that video Alicia but no I haven't seen it and they're like what happened like, she's bisexual <laughs> and, they're, they're like, and then I got down the mountain and I finally had wi-fi and I could watch it <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had the I had the best experience because um I, so I came out uh, between my junior senior year of pastoral ministry college. Not a great time to come out, by the way. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> Um, what if, were it not for one of uh, my close friends being the dean of students, I would have been kicked out, right? Um, but so she you was on, not kicked out. I was not kicked out because my friend said, "Title IX lawsuit." Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, my parents called the school and, and tried to get me um, kind of kicked out so I could be taken to reparative therapy. Um, but there was two people in place. It was like the Dean of Students and Dean of Community Life. Um, and they sat through meeting after meeting and said, you will not expel um, Joelle, which is my birth name. Um, but basically, one of them was my friend, Michelle. Uh, she, she was the Dean of Students, if my memory serves me correctly. And she was on a cruise when I came out. Um, and I, I came out and she got off the cruise ship and her phone just started fucking blowing up. Yeah. <laughs> and, and she got a message from this dude named Ron Walborn, Google him. My question um, in my LGBTQ alma mater group is like, one, are you Ron Walborn? And if you say yes, that's an immediate disqualifier. But um, so Ron Walborn messages my friend Michelle and goes, did you hear what happened with Joelle? And he was like, call me right away. And so she called and, and he's like, well, you know, she came out and uh, Michelle's like, okay and ron's response was well well she went to messiah college first it wasn't our fault like that was the whole thing <laughs> like they didn't do it wrong messiah did so sorry hopefully <laughs> messiah college trademark you know what i mean uh but yeah it was it's funny when you go when you go like christian viral you know like oh, oh it's a big deal no one else know who's these who knows who these people are but it's funny right so yeah it so was amazing though. There were people across the country. Okay. So like I was reading a thread of a bunch of Adventist pastors who were talking about my video and I don't think they knew that I was reading the thread. Uh -huh. And um, this one guy clearly not at all affirming is like, <laughs> is like, I'm just so angry. Like I have like 
three, three, three uh, youth that I've been working with for years, trying to like help them with their homosexuality. And then in one fell swoop, she comes in and undoes it all. <laughs> oh man oh man it's a weird it's a weird world we live in yeah right that was good times it's it's not very i always like to refer to myself as like the youth group rebel like it's not very hard to earn that title right like what'd you do i listened to a blink 182 song wow you know (laughs) so i i love what you touched on because i think that the idea of systemic um malfunction and systemic harm is really a trending topic right now, but not a lot of people understand it, right? Um, and like we see w- when when we bring up systemic injustice or systemic racism, people lose their shit. But the reality is, is there's a certain amount of our existence that's shaped by, controlled by, and gives birth to our experiences, and and that's that's systems. And so it's so interesting to me that people would betray, possibly betray their instinct of love and acceptance in favor of being a good soldier. Yeah, so um, I think when you think about things that are systemic, I don't think I come close to understanding or being able to Mm -hmm. articulate it all, but I think Mm -hmm. one piece that I do have my hand, my head wrapped around is um, the idea of diffuse responsibility. Okay. So if all the responsibility landed on me, Mm -hmm. let's say I'm a pastor, I'm a youth pastor, and a child comes to me, you know, I say child because I'm essentially middle-aged now. <laughs> a child comes wah, to me, wah. like a, a teenager <laughs> or maybe a 12-year-old or, or, or a 14-year-old or something, you know, comes I'm dead. to me. I'm dead. <laughs> okay, I'm going to put a pause in that for a second. My wife and I were at this comedy show and the comedian starts talking about what it means to be middle-aged. And she goes... <laughs> She goes, I can tell you, I know how you can tell if you're middle-aged. Oh no. Everyone's quiet. She says, take your age, double it. If you die at that age and it's not an absolute tragedy, you're middle-aged. Oh man. Yeah. Well, that just ruined my day. Yeah. I just ruined a lot of days. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah, Can't argue with, can't argue with that. Yeah, I better stop. I better stop throwing away those AARP letters, <laughs> right? Which they've been sending me since I was twenty-five, I think. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Good times. Good for the yeah. conference. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not the only one. No. Um, anyway, so so I think about like diffuse responsibility, right? So uh-huh. if, if I'm a youth pastor, um, and someone comes out to me, like an innocent child, mm-hmm. and says. I'm gay or I'm trans or I'm bi or whatever. And um, all the responsibility lands on me, Mm -hmm. right? Like there's no system above saying, this is what you should do. Mm -hmm. There's no team of theologians who's co-signed this theology. Mm -hmm. There's, there's no accountability that someone's going to fire me. Like, no, it's just like this child right now their life is in your hands. Mm-hmm. They're, the words that you say next are going to affect their future. And mm-hmm. there's no one to co-sign for you and say you did the right thing. Yeah. Right. Like it's yeah. all on you. Right here. Yep. People would make decisions very differently. Yeah. They would be wow. much more cautious yeah. about what they said. And they would, they would really think 
twice. And I think if it wasn't for that kind of system, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you would see a lot more churches becoming affirming. Yeah. Um, like, I don't know if you're familiar with what happened with like Eugene pa uh, Peterson, who wrote the Message Bible and is one of the most well-respected yeah. authors in evangelicalism was. He recently passed away. Um, okay. He just said he would do a gay wedding and then all hell broke loose. Yeah, this was a few years ago. How did I miss this? Hours, there was a retraction. Yeah, you need to, to Google. I was still in my denial phase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean he just he just said he it, said he was gonna do it and he just like he was he was like saying ah, i don't really think that it's an issue we've been through this with our church and the interviewer said so would you do a a gay wedding and he mm -hmm. said yes and that interview went in religion news you know the message but like everybody yeah. knows yeah. his work yeah I um, he's amazing He's written I, some really incredible books. So Lifeway was like, we're going to put it all right here. <laughs> so Lifeway, you know, Southern Baptist, I believe. Yeah. Book, book publisher. <laughs> I was like, we're going to pull everything that you have. We're going to pull it from our shelves. Um, they, which is like 60 different, different books of his, yeah. like books yeah. and products of his, right. That they had, yeah. we're never going to sell it again. Like um, his publishers were like, you know, like everyone was like, basically the whole force of evangelicalism fall, fell on this one man and was wow. like, we have nothing to do with you anymore if this mm -hmm. is what you're saying. And, mm -hmm. and less than 24 hours later, there was a, a, a retraction issued, which now we know um, because his um, he's, he's recently passed away and his mm -hmm. biography is about to come out and um, his official biography. And in there, it says that he didn't write the retraction you know, his, his people, he didn't really know he wasn't on social media. He didn't understand the significance of what he was saying. Apparently he oh. might've had some issues with dementia as well. Yeah. yeah. And, um, so other people wrote it and that he, he, and they were like, here's what we need to say. And he was like, okay. And so they released wow. that. And so then it was like, oh, okay. He, 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 he signed up. So like, this is the, this is like the reality of, of, of what's happening. And, and people are saying, oh, it's a matter of the Bible. No, yeah. there, no. <laughs> there are some real political forces at work, real financial forces at work. Um, wow. here. and, and, you know, people, when they're honest, will say it, if you say it, you know, they'll say like, what's, what's the point? Like we can't change this theology. What's the point of, of really studying it? Right. Like, if we studied it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like we're going to, the church isn't, the, the members of this denomination are not going to allow it to, no. anyway, anyway, that's so that's, that's the, that's the system part and that's the diffuse responsibility part. And, yeah. and, and it's just, it would be very, very different if all the responsibility was on each person, it was on because, the person, but because, you know, the pastor just has the senior pastor who sets the theology and in the Adventist church, there's administrators above that person. And there's, there's, acad there's academics who are publishing the books and saying, yeah, we study this and this is what it says. Mm -hmm. And if they don't say that, then they get fired. Mm -hmm. So it's, <laughs> wow. I mean, how do you ever come to a different theological idea? Yeah. If, if anybody who questions the status quo gets fired. How, and this how is, do you even study the Bible in that environment? It, how yeah, do you even do it? And my answer to that question is you take it straight to the people. Yeah. Like that's the only way to do it is yeah. you can't take it to the church. You can't take it to 
the church's publishing houses, you, you can't take it to the institutional authorities. Like you have right. to take it directly to people wow. who are members because until the members really catch on and the members mm -hmm. who, who have a little bit more, like people don't realize members have more freedom than pastors do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when you look to pastor for your spiritual authority, like you're looking to somebody who's very, very much like bound by the institution. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Members are the ones who have the freedom to study the Bible, mm -hmm. um, not 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 like professors at universities and seminaries. No, um, I actually have a good pastors. friend of mine who runs a, a, a fairly heretical, and this is why I love him, a fairly heretical podcast called the What If Project. Um, if you don't know him, his name is Dr. Glenn Siepert. We actually went to the same um, to the same college, um, and I didn't make it seminary because I came out, but he made it through, and he found himself in his early twenties, um, having you know having graduated, uh, got a role as a pastor, and then he was like. I have to toe this line and I'm not sure if I like believe it anymore. Like he didn't have the freedom to explore an evolution of his understanding of faith without it going through this, this, and this process. And then maybe facing a ramification from this board of elders, you know? And that's so true that like difference between the system and the people and like, you're blowing my mind right now. <laughs> and part of it is just because that's how human beings are made. Mm -hmm. because the way that we hold together is by shared beliefs. Mm -hmm. And so if you start changing those beliefs, um, then you create instability in communities yeah. and institutions. Yeah. yeah, And that's really a threat to mm -hmm. the existence of these institutions in a yeah. genuine way. The problem is that we've taken things that should not have been the core and the center of the faith and treated them like they are. Mm -hmm. and, and allowed for no difference in those things. Mm -hmm. um, the Adventist church has like six different pillars of, of what's unique about being Adventist. Um, and if we stuck to those, we'd be a lot better off. But mm -hmm. if you start adding things in and to where people are saying that we can't disagree on this thing. And, mm -hmm. um, and, that, and that just really boxes that really boxes everybody in and that creates like fundamentalism and religious certainty mm -hmm. and Things it's really stifling. Crazy. Yeah, it's stifling. It's like it's like breathing the same stale air over and over again when you're trapped in a small room or something. Like that just it's not it ceases to be a living yeah. organization and a living faith at that point. Absolutely. So, so the solution to that is members getting serious about studying this issue. Yeah. That's why I um wrote the book that I wrote. Yeah, that was going to be my next, uh, my next question for you was like, okay, so first of all, like, how has your sense of calling evolved since you come out? And also, can you ex tell us a little bit about your book um, in terms of how you're, you're, you're pursuing your calling now? Yeah, um, <clears throat> I, you know, um, aside from the, aside from the book, I've, I've noticed, I've always been interested in church planting, and I've done some of it. And mm -hmm. um I've obviously been a pastor and I've noticed recently like that desire coming back a little bit. So I don't okay. know if I'm going to do that again one day, like maybe mm -hmm. I will, like I'm starting mm -hmm. to get interested in that again. Yeah. So, so maybe, maybe the calling is going to be the same eventually. I don't Who know, knows? <laughs> but right now my, my, my calling and what will always be at least part of it. Um, if not all of it has really been, um, what I think about a lot, which is queer kids growing up in the church mm -hmm. and how alone and afraid they are and their families mm -hmm. when they come out and how they don't know how to process it or deal with it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, hurt people, rejected people, broken yeah. families, just all that pain and suffering that I feel I'm in a position to do something about. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you know, when I, when I look at the world and the state that the world's in, and I think about myself and where can I make the most difference, that's where it is. Mm-hmm. And I think the way I can make the most healing in the world is by helping people see the legitimacy of affirming theology mm-hmm. through an Adventist and also just a, in general, conservative, um, Christian frame. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. one of the huge mistakes that people make sometimes is wanting to take like, um, a, a conservative Christian and like make them liberal so that they'll accept their queer kids. Yeah. Yeah. Like, do you, do you even realize like how much you're asking That's and a what lot. a total trans- transformation? And then sometimes what I see people doing, which really bothers me is use using, um, using an urgency to affirm LGBTQ people as mm-hmm. a, as a wedge to try to make people liberal. And that mm-hmm. really bothers me because it actually alienates conservative people from their queer children. Right. Because right. they start to say, the only way that you can be affirming is by being liberal. I'm never going to be liberal. I'm a conservative Christian. Mm-hmm. So, so therefore I should have my children. Yeah. And, and it, it, it just, um, it, it really, it really bothers me. And, and I think I can, I can do a lot of good and I make a lot of difference by, helping people to see um that the way that they've understood the scriptures is wrong because yeah. it definitely is like i i i have i have not seen i i study this a lot and i i just cannot see how the church's accepted position really works biblically yes. and yes. how a person can come to scripture in a way that's consistent, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and you're not picking and choosing and cho- because nobody reads the Bible. Literally people yeah. read specific verses literally and ignore others. But if mm-hmm. you want to understand the scripture in a way that's holistic mm-hmm. and you want to use the same rule for one verse as you use for another, mm-hmm. and you want to be consistent, then there, there's just, there's, I don't, I don't see how you can get to not being supportive of same gender marriage and transgender identity well and the thing is is the thing with that that i like to use the analogy which is obviously someone hammered me on this the other day and was like it's an analogy but um i digress uh but i like to use the analogy of like um, a modern day courtroom system and like the prosecutor and the defense and the burden of proof right and the idea in the modern legal system is that if you're going to be prosecute somebody especially if you're going to, you know, sentence them to death or maybe like eternal torment, um, you have to meet the burden of proof. You have to prove that beyond a shadow of a doubt, they are guilty, right? And I do not believe that you can read the scripture in any consistent way, even if, even in the most conservative manner, you cannot read the scripture in a way that, that meets the burden of proof. There is, there is still stuff that is irreconcilable in the most conservative reading if you are scholarly and intellectually honest. Do you know what I mean? And so wh- while I am all the way on the other end of the spectrum that it's just not possible to condemn people, I'm just trying to budge the bar a little bit so you realize you don't meet the burden of proof. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> so um, tell us a little bit, what's the title of your book? What's the kind of the content? When's it come out? That sort of a thing. Uh, the Bible and LGBTQ Adventists. And um, at this point, I'm wrestling with my own perfectionism to uh, just get the thing out there in the world yep. because 
I have written um, everything but the last chapter, which I saved for awesome. after. And I've, I've had about a dozen people who have read it and okay. have gotten great feedback. Um, they really think it works and does the things I want it to do. And mm -hmm. um, even people who are, you know, not affirming have really said good things about the book. Um, good. Is such a relief. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you can have, if you can have a balanced conversation from all of those perspectives, you've done yeah. something well, you know, linguistically. Yeah. So, so the uh, title is the Bible and LGBTQ Adventists, and the okay. title a theological conversation okay. about uh, same-sex marriage and transgender identity. And I've, right. I've taken um, with each chapter, I've taken a significant amount of time to really explore what it is that conservatives believe. Some people don't even know thoroughly what their church believes and teaches on the subject. Um, and, and so, so I've taken the time to really to do that. And also I just want people to know that they're understood and respected and mm -hmm. that I've been there too, and that I'm not thinking they're awful, horrible people, mm -hmm. um, so that we can make some space for hopefully them to, to listen that, you know, there could be a different way to see this. And maybe there's some things you haven't considered. I love this because it's like, I don't want to say reverse because that's not the right word, but it's like, um, it, it literally is unexpected intersectionality because you're not like, oh let's God. accept, you know, accept everybody, no matter how queer or diverse, you're like, let's accept the conservatives. That is like, that is like intersectional inception. <laughs> you're like, let's include them. Not everybody is 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 okay with doing that or wants to do that or is mm -hmm. able to do that because mm -hmm. of the trauma that so many of us have experienced. Yeah. And if you look at the first drafts of my book, which I don't know if they exist anymore, but um, I was constantly writing in the margins, soften, 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 because yeah. I was so angry. Mm -hmm. I was just so mad, so angry, so hurt. Mm -hmm. um, and I think you know. People ask me sometimes, like, are you still Adventist? And the truth is, I didn't make the decision of whether I would be Adventist or not, because when you think of what it means to be a church and to be part of a church, those doors are no longer open to me. Mm -hmm. And so I, it almost feels like a cruel trick to ask me, are you Adventist anymore? <laughs> like, yeah. was that my decision? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I have a say in that because I missed was it. Was that my decision? Because I don't know, it, and it speaks to a particularly denominational mm -hmm. way of looking at what it means to belong to a church that I think is anathema to the Bible, for instance, mm -hmm. which where church is rooted in the local church and community, yeah. which I can't really be a part of anymore. So, um, Anyway, that's just incredibly painful. And yeah. part of the way you deal with the pain of that is is like by trashing the X and deciding how much you hate it and how stupid and awful it is. And so like working yeah. through that was really difficult and writing the book helped me to work through that in the most wow. difficult of ways. <laughs> that is really cool. While this conversation is not going at all how I thought it was going to go, which is fantastic because the whole point of conversations, if you look up the definition of the word, is that it's two people communicating, but it has to proceed at least in some level spontaneously. And so I love the spontaneity of this conversation. So literally, you were you were fighting your own inclination to be angry and, and, and get retribution and vindication, right? Well, and I think even just to get distance. Yeah, yeah because the worst thing I ever could have done was try to somehow go back to the Avenue church that would have, you know, I don't even like, there was no way to do that. There was no. just no way to do that. Yeah. Um, and, 
and it would have been like I would have had to like lie and be like, mm-hmm. oh, whoops, just kidding. Or, just kidding. Like, oh, My bad. God save me, or like say things that I don't believe in that I know to be harmful. Yeah. So it's like you you can't go back. So so I I could have I guess tried to to be permanently second class in a mm-hmm. local church, kind mm-hmm. of existing in a local church. But you know, you gotta know like I'm a pastor. Right. I, I don't it doesn't like for 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 other folks that might work out better because they might not feel that their level of involvement and where they belong in a church mm-hmm. is in a place that is definitely barred to them for being queer. But for me, it, it definitely was. There's it definitely no, was. There's, there's no road there. back in Adventism. No, yeah, there's no road back. I'm not gonna be um I, I'm I, I teach the Bible. I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna be like doing sorry that. Bible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's so. so that's so weird because you're you're so correct in that way, like uh, when people ask me what what are you or what do I believe in, I have no fucking clue how to answer them. Like sometimes I say post Christian, um, sometimes I say spiritually non-binary because like I identify as non-binary, so that makes sense for me because I'm. This is my newest, my my most recent iteration of what I am is uh, like academically Christian and spiritually non-binary. And I don't, there's no short answer for me because I can't just say, I can't spit out Christian because that would be to disavow all the experiences that I have had since coming out, which a lot of them were deeply founded in, in reading and re- engaging with theology and the Bible. But so like, how do I explain what I am? I, I don't know. So I say like academically Christian because I can't just turn around about face and go back. I tried that, you know, um, there were three exorcisms involved in my life story. Apparently they were either really shitty or they worked so well, I'm a man now, hallelujah, I'm straight. You know what I mean? But there's no road back to the pulpit from where I am now. And so uh, a lot of what we not do with convers- pulpits anyway. Not to yeah. those pulpits. And this is why we this is why conversations exist because so then people ask you, well, are you part of that group anymore? Yeah, and I'm what like that even what does that even mean? What do I say? <laughs> like I can still sing all the songs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, when Paul talks about the church, he talks about a body that functions together to build one yeah. another up. So if yeah. you don't allow someone to function to to build up the body then yeah. they're not part of the church <laughs> exactly exactly and this is the thing is it's like who left who here because my positionality to the gospel has not changed since i've come out if anything my steadfastness to these ideals has grown so who left who you know what i mean that's that's yeah. the question there right like and i i always like to go ahead yeah just the pain of that is, yeah. is really intense and it's really hard to explain i think for somebody who hasn't experienced it or been through it and mm-hmm. one of the ways of protecting yourself from the pain is pretending like you don't wish you were part of that group of people anymore yep absolutely like and you have to yourself, come to it. making yourself hating them it's like yep and you've got to come to an admittance and you're like i i miss that I like that song. I don't think I vibe with the words of it, but do I miss that communal moment of coming together and singing that? Yeah, I, I really do, you know? And what is and where does that leave me? Like a man without a flag? I don't know. But I keep saying that um, for so long, I had to deal with the church, right? 
And now I've turned uh, an emotional and intellectual corner through a lot of thinking, a lot of safe space relationships, and a lot of counseling, a decade of counseling. I've come to a place where now the church has to deal with me. Right. I've turned that corner because this is this is my history. I have a vested interest in this. And I got all the letters after my name to prove that you can't just dismiss me. You can choose to dismiss me, but you're going to look kind of dumb. Right. (laughs) Uh, But but where does that leave you? You know what I mean? What kind of community is that? You know. Yeah. Um, One of the decisions I made kind of early on was to do everything I could to get in queer Christian spaces. Mm-hmm. And that was really helpful for me and really mm-hmm. good for me. And those, those are spaces that weren't even available. Like when my wife came out, for, for example, when she was mm-hmm. much younger, they weren't even there. Mm-hmm. And, um, but now they're pretty, pretty vibrant. You know, if you think about, you know, Q Christian fellowship, which you speak at Christian network um, yep. and um, the reformation project, which I'm involved yeah. in and really love like going to those kinds of conferences, wild goose, where I met my wife. <laughs> oh, I want to go to wild goose so bad. <laughs> they're, they're having it this year in September. Shut up. Yeah. Oh, that's come, great. Come, great we'll hang out. It'll be great. Yes. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. I like this. Sing I some like this. hymns together. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're having a real laugh fest right now. It could only be better in person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's pretty great. Anyway, things like that. There's some new organizations that have been coming up even now, and it's been just really good and healing for me. And most of my friends, if maybe all of my friends have a similar background to me, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's just kind of this, this, this group of people, um, I mean, in terms of like my friends that I just like hang out with on a regular Mm -hmm. basis, um, which is not very many during COVID, Um, (laughs) uh, Um, you know, have a similar background to me Mm -hmm. and and it's just, there's no, there's, there's nothing quite like that unspoken understanding of people like you have. Yeah. Some comfort in, in the, the familiarity of your, you know, your, your circumstance. Right. So what do you think um now this is this is like the last big question i'll ask you before we wrap it up but it just popped into my brain so sorry you got to answer it um (laughs) (laughs) boundaries i have boundaries (laughs) (laughs) Um, if you feel comfortable if you feel comfortable what do you think your experience of coming out has done to you in terms of your relationship to um other religious systems or different um different backgrounds and beliefs that like you might have been closed off to in the past because i know for me it's opened me up to a lot of conversations I would have never engaged in you know what I mean um but but in coming out I realized that there was conversations I was told not to have and people I was told not to talk to um and so maybe partly as a pro an act of protesting and partly you know uh, in the beginning as an act of protesting and now as an act of genuine um intellectual you know connection um my points of intersection i see as greater so how do you think that your own you know coming out story has affected your um experience with others you know yeah i think um i have a level of comfort with people who see things in ways that are different than me or different Mm -hmm. than what i've believed that um I never never had before it's not at all threatening like I just understand that people are doing the best that they can right um you know and that I'm doing the best that I can and 
I have so much more theological humility now. There's nothing like mm-hmm. making a really huge mistake that theologically that impacts your life enormously. And absolutely, um, to really make you realize how little you understand. And yeah. um, so it's not that I don't believe things anymore. It's that I hold things with a much more open hand. Mm. And I feel like that that allows me to walk through the world in a way that's more open to other people. And um you just realize how much bigger the world is than you ever <laughs> realized before. Like it's something yep. you didn't know intellectually, like, oh, there are a lot of people who aren't like me and aren't part of this really close. Right. Type. But when you actually kind of like actually experience it, yeah. Um, it can be overwhelming sometimes. Yeah. Because um, you know, you you just like you've been swimming in a pond and suddenly you're in the ocean and you you're don't know ocean. which direction to go or where your people are. Yes. So it can be really hard sometimes, but then it can also just be like unbelievably freeing. Yes. Like, oh wait, I can, I can swim everywhere. Yeah. I can talk to you. No lightning bolts are falling. No smoting is happening. Yeah. There's just an amazing world out there and people yeah. who have things to teach me that I just never, um, never would have realized before. And yep. Teachers, I would have how petty, like, I think all closed denominations are like this. Like they just start arguing about the most petty things. It's just unbelievable. And when you're in it, you know it, like you know it and you all laugh about it. You joke about how stupid it is. Mm -hmm. But then when you're not in it anymore in the same way, you're like, oh my gosh. Like not only was that a petty conversation, but that was a petty conversation that was basically closing me off to the whole rest of the world. Because yes. now we're arguing about like whether or not you can wear jewelry, like honest to God, instead yes. of, instead of like, I don't know, critical race theory. Boom. <laughs> well, I mean, if you ask the Southern Baptist convention, uh, convention, critical race theory doesn't exist. Um, just ask the six straight white men that came together to tell us that. So <laughs> I, we don't even have to go there. That's a whole nother podcast, but <laughs> I don't think they've ever believed anything they didn't come up with themselves. So, Ooh. oh, someone put that on a shirt for real, though. That's so incredibly insightful, man. I really hope I get the wild goose this year. If you are watching and you don't know what wild goose is, you got to look it up. It's pretty dope. I'm not going to lie. So um, we'll, I'll drop some links in, in the feed here, but um, I have to, I have to wrap this up because I have an incredibly beautiful wife who has had a little bit of wine and wants me to bring her a cheeseburger, if we're being honest. Um, so, you know, the things you do for that's the foundation of a good relationship. Yep. The things you do, the things you do for a, uh, a, a pretty lady. So, <laughs> but, um, if you, I want to, I want us, you to do two more things for me. All right. Um, I'm very bossy as you can tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, so first thing is, um, it, it, the easy one is we'll, we'll wrap up with how people can find you. Um, but before we go there, I'd like to ask you this. If you could say like just one thing to everyone who's listening and we have a magic wand and they're going to firmly remember this one thing, what would that sentence be that you want to leave all all my tens of watchers with? I'm supposed to have something really amazing right now, huh? I know. (laughs) (laughs) One thing, one thing. It's tough. I mean, I might have said earlier in playoff season, I might have said, let's go Buffalo, but you know, whatever you want, serious or not, we got you. <laughs> I don't know. Get your annual physicals. <laughs> Get a colonoscopy as soon as they'll let you. Right. I don't know. I, Live I, your I, life. I, Be around. Be around as long as you can. 
you know what? I think that there's so much to be said to summing this whole conversation up with like a laugh and the idea of like live your life and just engage the world. Because for so long, I don't know if you, if if your you know tradition led you to this, but for so long I was just so afraid of everything. And then I was in the ocean and there was so much and things were so bright and my life is so much more full now because not everybody looks and thinks like me and not everybody sounds like me. And maybe there is some room for humor in the conversation, you know, <laughs> and colonoscopies. I don't yeah, know. Who yeah. <laughs> I swear to God, if one of the major underwriters of your book is like Colonoscopy USA or something, I'm going to be. <laughs> so if, um, if people want to find you, uh, people want to find your work, what's the best way to follow you or engage with you? Uh, so I'm most active on Facebook, which I feel super, um, you know. You're old. It's a thing. Icky about, but um, <laughs> yeah, you can find me there. Um, I, I have a podcast that we haven't put out a new episode in a while, but you can look at our back catalog and there will be more episodes, I promise. Um, and that's Correct. Open Bible Podcast and it's Affirming Theology for Conservative Christians. Ooh, um, I love that tagline. And yeah. yeah, it's, um, I think for like, we, we use the word, I, I noticed you use the word curious in some of your your, yes. your verbiage and we use that word a lot too. Curiosity, I love that. Yeah, spiritual curious. I think. Yep. Yeah. So, um, yeah, aliciajohnson.com. I need to kind of revamp the site, but there will be something there. I promise Perfect. you. And, Perfect. um, keep, keep an eye out because I'm going to be doing a crowdfunding campaign, especially if you're Adventist or you know, anyone who's Adventist, yeah. um, for my book. So awesome. Yeah. We'll get all of that info. Um, I'm going to gather all of these sources and I'll put them in the show notes on the podcast in the, um, you know, the about section in YouTube and I'll drop it on. I'll go and edit the um, caption for this video as well. So we'll make sure that gets out there. I would love to have you back on, you know, in a little while, see how the books received. I think that'll be particularly interesting. Um, so we'll have to make that happen. That'd be fun. Thank you. Yeah, I had a good time. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You have a good night. Everybody who is watching, um, thank you. We actually had like 13 watchers at one point, which maybe is lame to admit, but I got really excited for a while there. Um, <laughs> but there's a lot of engagement on this feed and we even had someone watching from Ireland. They're up in the middle of the night watching this podcast. So that's pretty cool. Um, but I got to say thank you guys for coming week after week for conversations. Uh, if it would just be a giant Leo echo chamber, if you guys didn't show up and that's not at all what I'm interested in because I grew up in an echo chamber so thank you for coming and engaging um just as a quick note uh, upcoming in conversations we are doing a documentary screening of the film american muslim coming up um, we are having a conversation with a um a professor at my college who is a renowned um scholar of judaism and we're going to be talking about dangerous religious ideals and how to deal with them we have a, a podcast coming up on tarot and christianity and the religious imagery that's inherent in the tarot deck um like a paganism a lot of cool just spiritually curious stuff um we're going to be here in the margins in the intersections and thank you guys for joining us and we hope to keep seeing you out here alicia you were dope i'm going to go take my inhaler because i was laughing so hard my cheeks are hurting you know what i'm saying um i can't wait to talk to you again in the future have a good night everybody and thank you so much uh everybody's always welcome at the conversation and thank you for being a part of it bye everybody Oh no, I can't end the video. <laughs> this has been the conversations podcast thank you so much for joining 
If you have any questions or comments or just want to get involved, feel free to join the conversation on social media. You can find us at Conversations Official on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And please don't forget to rate, follow, and share this podcast. We're available on Anchor, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for joining the conversation.